In the name of Jesus, amen. Jesus said, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Dear saints, when Jesus lived on this earth, he attracted a lot of followers to himself. And a lot of the people who hung around him were bad people. These were people you did not want to be around. And they were public sinners or prostitutes or tax collectors with terrible reputations. And the reason they flocked to Jesus was because he gave hope to bad and guilty and sinful people. All their life, they had heard that they would never enter the kingdom of heaven. And they had their chance to live a good life and then they blew it. And their chances to ever be in the kingdom of God were now entirely gone. But Jesus preached something different that they hadn't heard of or believed yet. And while Jesus had these crowds of bad people around him who loved him, he also had many people who opposed him. And some of the ones who opposed him were the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, nowadays we hear the word Pharisee and we think of a hypocrite or a bad person. But that is not what came to mind when the people in the New Testament heard the word Pharisee. These were the good guys. These were the people you wanted to be around. You wanted your your children to look up to. And these were the, the best people you could possibly imagine. So the word Pharisee was like the word saint or Mother Teresa or something. That, that was the image that was conjured up in mind. So they lived exemplary lives. They had good reputations. They were generous. Nobody had anything bad to say about them. They were kind. They were loving. They were helpful. They were just all around nice people. However, they believed that their goodness and their generosity and kindness and love and niceness would be the things that got them into the kingdom of heaven. In other words, they trusted in and relied upon their works. So now you have these two groups. You have Christ here, and then you have the group of bad people who think, uh, who have hope now because of Christ, and the Pharisees who see Jesus. And when they see him, they see so many people, uh, bad people gathering around Jesus. They thought that the only reason people would flock to Jesus was because he must be lowering the bar uh, to heaven. And uh, because he was giving them some sort of false hope to get into heaven. So you might think that the Pharisees looked at Jesus and thought uh, maybe he was a liberal or something, or like he was a hippie, or like an antinomian who just says, doesn't matter what the law says, right? Uh, God loves us. It doesn't, your morality doesn't matter. Good works don't matter, so forth. And so the Pharisees thought that the good news that he must have been preaching to these bad people was this. He That he must have been lowering it so that they could get in. So that Jesus might have said something like, don't worry about anything. Uh, There's no such thing as right and wrong. Uh, There's no, that's an outdated and old way of thinking. So just do what makes you happy. We're all going to go to heaven anyway, so just don't worry about it. That's what they're thinking Jesus is saying. So, and this is what Jesus is accused of, of abrogating the law. That is doing away with it. Just abolishing it, putting it to the side. Well, that is sort of what, uh, of like who, the, uh, that is sort of what the Pharisees thought Jesus was like—some sort of uh, like a big teddy bear of a Jesus who let everyone do what they want. Um, 
And this is why the gospel lesson today begins with the words, for I tell you, which indicates that he said something right before the gospel lesson that you heard. What did he say? This is what he said. He said, do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then here's where the gospel lesson began. He says then, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never, never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that does not sound anything like Jesus is being liberal with the law or doing away with it or like he's just, he's an antinomian, just casting it aside. Some thought Jesus was doing away with it, but in fact, what he's doing is preaching it in its fullness. Jesus is preaching to all sinful hearts and most especially with these words, he's preaching to those who have hardened and stubborn hearts like the people of the scribes and the Pharisees who thought they could earn their way into heaven. So the Pharisees uh, accused Jesus of relaxing the demands of the law, but Jesus shows them, no, I'm not relaxing them, but the one who does um, is, is the least in the kingdom of heaven. And the ones who are relaxing the law is not Jesus but the scribes and the Pharisees. So, how does this make sense? How is it that the Pharisees are relaxing the law? They think that Jesus is being liberal, and Jesus is saying, no, you guys are the ones being liberal with the law. And at first glance, it doesn't make sense. But look, the Pharisees are the, because the Pharisees are the most law-abiding people, the rule followers of the day. The Pharisees had the Ten Commandments, And on top of that, they had 613 other laws. Uh, They had 365 things they couldn't do and 248 things that they had to do, that they needed to do. And the Pharisees did them all. They did all of them. On top of the Ten Commandments, they had 613 and they did all of those. They counted their steps. They limited their movements on the Sabbath. They tied the exact amounts to the penny and so on and so forth. So how is it that the Pharisees are relaxing the law if they're adding to the law and doing more than the law has said, uh, more than any other person on the planet? Well, the reason what Jesus is pointing out here is they relax the law because they only fulfill the law externally and not internally from the heart. The Pharisees had an outward and external righteousness. They gave the appearance of righteousness. They they did seemingly good works. And all these things are good, but it is not good enough because the law of God, the Ten Commandments, does not require simply an obedience of the hand, but an obedience of the heart. It requires a perfect righteousness of the heart. God doesn't simply judge what you appear like, what your outward works. He judges what is inside of you. The things that you think about is what he will judge you for. That is what the law of God says. 
First Samuel 16, 7 says, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So if you're looking to save yourself by keeping the law, then this is true. Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. That means you need to do better than the Pharisees and the scribes. They look perfect, but the law says you have to be perfect. To drive the point home, Jesus gives an example. Uh, So what's a commandment that everybody Well, not everybody, but the majority of people, the vast majority of people think they've kept. It's going to be the fifth commandment. You shall not murder. And so people use this as the litmus test, the cutoff point to say this. If if you have if you're not a murderer, then uh, you're a good person. You're, You're good enough to enter the kingdom of heaven. But if you're in this class of people who have murdered or who have beat up somebody else or bullied somebody, then you're in a different class all by yourself. Uh, So people use this as the cutoff point, and then people say, look, yes, I'm not perfect, but I am not that guy. I'm not a murderer. I'm not like, I didn't, I'm not a serial killer. I didn't do this or that. Certainly, all of you haven't outwardly murdered anyone with your hands. But what Jesus is pointing out is what has happened in your heart. Keeping the fifth commandment externally looks like not murdering somebody. But what does it look like to keep the fifth commandment in your heart, in your mind? And that is what Jesus is saying. And then so for this reason, Jesus gives an example. He says, "Okay, you want to keep the law? Well, for example, this is what the fifth commandment requires. You have heard that it was said of those to, to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry Everyone who's angry with his brother uh, will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And this is the council of heaven. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So what does it mean? It means that in order to keep the fifth commandment, You shall not murder. The law tells you to keep it in your heart. And so look at yourself and see if you've done it. Have you spoken any, any harsh word? Have you ever grumbled under your breath about somebody? Have you ignored or avoided people? Regardless of the reason, whether you think it's justified or not, have you ignored or avoided somebody? Have you been angry or indifferent to anybody? Have you ever held a grudge at any point in your life? Or are you holding one now? Have you called anyone an idiot or stupid or a fool? Have you raised your voice? Have you looked at your neighbor, even your enemies? Not only have you kept it, uh, have you not broken the fifth command, but have you kept it? Have you looked at your neighbor, even your enemy, with love? As if they were your brother, as if they were your child. Have you seen your neighbors as a treasure to take care of and support in every physical need? Have you, have you ever resented anybody? 
Right after this, if you, if you read the text, Jesus goes on to the sixth commandment. He says, okay, for example, here's the fifth. Well, if you want to see what the sixth commandment looks like, look at this. He says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And so have you ever looked at someone who is not your spouse with lust? Or thought of anyone else in a way that you shouldn't? Or have you spoken crudely or joked about and made light of the profound intimacy that is supposed to be between only a husband and a wife? Are you modest? Have you ever thought of or desired indecent things? Have your eyes seen things that they're not supposed to see? I can go, we, we can go on and on and on like this through each commandment. But I think you get the point. This is what an internal righteousness looks like. A righteousness of the heart. And this, make no mistake, that, everything that was just said, that is the standard to enter the kingdom of heaven. That is, that is the cutoff point. If you cannot do those, if you did not, if you broke any of those things, then you are not worthy of the kingdom of heaven. That's what it's saying. That's what the law says. That is the standard. And this is the righteousness that far exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Because anybody can look and appear righteous, but Jesus is talking about one who is righteous, who can be this. This is the righteousness you need. If you're going to depend upon your works and on your ways, then that is what you need to do. And so this is the point. If you set out to earn your salvation by the law, by your conduct, then that means that not only are none of the bad people going to heaven, but neither are any of the best people going to heaven. And that is because good and better and best is still not perfect. And it's not good enough. Everyone, uh, Christians and pagans, even heathens, can perform to a degree outwardly seemingly, seemingly good works. Everyone can attain some sort of civil and outward righteousness, but it is an illusion. It is the appearance or the facade. It's a mask of what is actually being hidden, on, hidden inside of the heart. But no one can fulfill what the law is actually asking for, a clean heart. A right spirit, a mind that not one frivolous thought, not one evil thought, not one uh, 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 thing of lust has ever passed through your mind. That is what it's asking for. And when you realize this, and only when you do, then you will realize that Jesus is our only hope. And that you cannot depend upon yourself. You will find that Jesus gives hope to bad people, to poor, miserable sinners like you and me who could never in a billion years do what the law requires, who could never earn our way into heaven. And this is because he says so. He says he gives hope to us not by abolishing the law, but by fulfilling it for us. Everything that the law required, Jesus accomplished. All of those questions I asked before, Jesus could answer in the negative. He could say, no, I've never done it. I've never held a grudge. I never resented anyone. I've never looked lustfully at anyone. I've never cursed. Not one idle word passed through my lips. He could say that with every single commandment. In fact, while the soldiers were driving nails through his hands and his feet, what did Jesus cry out? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
He lays his life down for his enemies, for those who hated him. And Jesus fulfilled the law with his final breath. And now the question is, okay, well, how does that help us? It helps us because everything Jesus did, he did for you. And through faith, he credits his righteousness to you. That is apart from your works. Romans 10, 4 says this. Christ is the culmination, the fulfillment of the law. So, there, so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. Not who does, but who believes. John 20, 31 says, These things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John 3.15 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. And this is not just for us today. It's not like this was just implemented in the New Testament, but all the Old Testament people were saved by the law or by what they did. It was even in the Old Testament. Every person who is in heaven is in heaven, not because of their works, but because of what Christ has done for them. Romans 8 says this. says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. When he says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will count no sin. Dear saints, you are saved by grace through faith alone and not by works. And that means that no matter who you are or what you have done or what you've left undone, and no matter how poor and miserable of a sinner you may be, no matter how bad and impoverished you are in righteousness, Jesus gives you hope because your salvation does not depend upon anything you have or have not done. Your salvation depends solely upon Christ, your Lord, who poured out every last drop of blood from his veins and his holy heart for you. So repent of your sin and don't ever depend upon yourself, but depend only upon what Christ did for you. And let your heart trust in and rely upon his righteousness, that his righteousness far exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. Trust in Jesus who cannot deceive you and be assured that the kingdom of heaven is yours, not because of your own goodness, but because of the goodness of Christ who loves you. Amen. Hear the words of the hymn we sang at the beginning of the service. Salvation unto us has come by God's free grace and favor. Good works cannot avert our doom. They help and save us never. Faith looks to Jesus Christ alone who did for all the world atone. He is our one redeemer. 
Since Christ has full atonement made and brought to us salvation, each Christian, therefore, may be glad and build on this foundation. Your grace alone, dear Lord, I plead. Your death is now my life indeed, for you have paid my ransom. Let me not doubt, but truly see. Your word cannot be broken. Your call rings out, come unto me, no falsehood you have spoken. Baptized into your precious name, my faith cannot be put to shame, and I shall never perish. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.